that track really brings back some memories for me. Yeah, memories of what a loser you were. I can clearly remember buying that one from a dingy record store in Nottingham. I think that might have been the time I missed the last bus and, and I had to get a taxi back to Derby. See, you were a loser and that track was rubbish. Despite that, it's one of my favourites and I still play that vinyl today. Why are you lying? You haven't even taken it out of the box for years. Do your listeners know you lie to them? So that's it for this week. Stay safe and take care. And don't pretend you care. Why do you always do this? What do you mean, precious? Interrupting. You know I can edit it all out, right? You should leave it in. Let people know what you really think. Whatever. Can you go away now, please? Gary's going to be coming online in a minute to record the next episode. No, I'm staying here and joining in this week. Shut up, he's here now. Hi, Simon. Are you there? Telling me smells. Pardon? Hi, Gary. Can you hear me? Um... I think I'm getting some sort of interference. Tell him he's angry and he smells. Yeah, yes, I, I can hear you. There seems to be something else coming through, though, as well. I, I thought I could hear another voice. No, 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 just me. And me. Oh, okay. You're here early. I normally get online before you. Yeah, that's because you're a loser and you smell. What was that? I said I know. I, I was just recording one of the Buy Me A Coffee minisodes. A what now? Oh, you told him about this last week. What's the matter, Grandad? Are you going senile? Simon, I I'm, I really think we're getting cross wires somewhere. Yeah, yeah, I know. Um, You remember the mini-sode. We're releasing them weekly on Mondays from November the 3rd to January the 25th, exclusively for people who donate through buymeacoffee.com. He doesn't remember that. He's an idiot. An angry idiot. Nah, I don't remember that. See? How do people find it? They go to buymeacoffee.com and search for the Revelation Station podcast precious. Oh yeah, that's it. And it's sweet of you to call me precious. Shut up! Sorry, what? Not you. Is it about £3 they have to donate? Or more if they like. Yeah, yes, or more if they like. Sorry, Simon. The interference is really distracting. It's making your voice sometimes sound weird. I'm going to disconnect and then reconnect, see if that fixes it. I'm still be here. I'm always here, precious. Okay, speak to you in a minute. He could hear you that time. How could he hear you? You've been locked down on your own too long, precious. I'm getting stronger all the time. Listen to me, uh, me. If you ever want to see Precious again, you'd better be quiet. What? No, I'll be good, Precious. I'll be good. Right, Simon. Or, or, or if you're going to call me Precious, should I call you Lovey? Um, anyway, are you ready to begin? Simon? Simon? Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm here. I can hear you now. Can you hear me again? Yes, yes. Yeah. Hang on, say something else. Uh, hello, hello, Gary, can you hear me? Unfortunately, you... yes. I can hear you uh, perfectly clearly. You're not hearing that weird uh, interference voice anymore, are you? To be honest, I mostly sort of blank what you're saying out anyway. All right, okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. So, hello. Welcome, listeners, to the Revelation Station podcast. My name is Gary Starr, and I'm joined by my co-host and very much inferior, Mr. Simon Heldrich. Say hello, Simon. I'm not sure I am inferior, but hello anyway. Oh, I like to think of you as very much inferior. I'm sure you do. I do, I do. I'm sure you do. It's my own little foible. Uh, how are you today? It's a very rainy day today. I wouldn't know. I haven't been outside yet. I've been so busy inside doing this damn podcast for you. Do you not have windows? Can you not look through the window? <laughs> I mean, I've not been outside either. No, I've got... I can tell by the fact that it's raining outside that it's raining. I have newspaper pasted over the window so the neighbours don't look in. <laughs> to make house look abandoned. Yeah. <laughs> Stops all the callers. I get nobody asking if I want to buy mops and things. It's great. You should do it. Very you should really do it. 
<laughs> Very sensible. Oh, yes. It's a small price to pay, not being able to see outside. <laughs> How's your week been? Well, my week has been exactly the same as every other week this year. However, yeah. I did learn one piece of important information this week. Yes. Because we because of the current status of things, we have been taking hmm. each other's temperature at work. Yeah. And I have found out the difference between an oral and an anal thermometer. Do you know what it is? Uh Okay, I'll bite, go for it. <laughs> it's mostly the taste. <laughs> well done. Thank Very you. Good. I've been working on that all week. And that's your contribution that's to all the I've been doing all week. <laughs> Yeah. There's your contribution to the episode, Gary. Thank you very much. Thank you. I shall leave now. <laughs> uh, other than so, that, no, my week has been exactly the same as every other week this year. Just working, coming home, yeah. eating, sleeping, working. It's getting a bit yeah. repetitive now. Eat, sleep, work, repeat. Yeah, it's like being in, in a stuck in a really terrible version of Groundhog Day. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> yeah, well, I've been very similar because I've still been furloughed, although I found out I am going back to work on Monday. So this will be the last week that I'll have, have time to spend on uh, editing and writing for this wonderful podcast. Let me let me produce. just um, pull you up there for a second. Aren't you yeah. in management? Yes. So working <laughs> is probably used quite wrongly in this sentence. Yes, probably, but yes. nevertheless, you're there to crack the whip for <laughs> people under you work. There's a, there's exactly. a subtle, subtle but important difference, I feel. Yes, but nevertheless, I'm going back to work on Monday, so um, I'm not going to have quite the same amount of time as I've had to devote to, to editing the podcast, which is partly why this is going to be our last weekly podcast for a little while until Hooray! the new year. Hooray! Yeah. I get my weekends <laughs> off again. No, we're still going to record. Oh, well, we've got a few things to to be thinking about, haven't we? So yes. hopefully we'll we'll stay in contact with everybody, and it won't feel like we've gone away because we no. will be back. Despite no. all of your letters, we will be back. <laughs> Despite all the the complaints to Ofcom, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be back. We'll be back. We shall um, be back. Yeah, we. We have got a few things planned for over Christmas and New Year, but we'll say no more about those for now. No, a little bit of a surprise, um, maybe. Yes. Or maybe not, depending if you listen to them or not. And if you donated to the podcast through buymeacoffee.com, those 10 mini episodes that you can get are being released weekly regardless. They're already recorded. They're being scheduled to be released each week on a Monday, UK time, 5pm. So... They're still coming out as well. For those of you who do donate, thank you so much. We appreciate it. And this is just a thank you. But if you don't donate, you're not really missing out that much. So, hey. Well, it's something you've done. So <laughs> nobody's going to miss it at all. They only listen to what I do. You know that. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, no, we don't want to feel like we're pressuring anybody. It's basically, it's just a thank you for those who do. If you enjoy listening to Simon's voice. <laughs> if you don't, yes. it's not really a thank you, is it, Simon? Not really. Because I'm not in there um, at all, am I? No, you're not. I've cut you out. I've gone solo. It's my solo project. <sighs> it had to happen eventually. So it's uh, time for our weekly beer check, Gary. What's your beer of choice this week? How do you know I'm drinking beer? It's Saturday afternoon and you're talking to me. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> well, 
This week, I'm drinking a beer from Portland, Maine, USA. It's an uh, American IPA. It's Shipyard. Ooh, Shipyard. I do, do like, like Shipyard. You like Shipyard as well, don't you? I do. I do, Ooh, yeah. On very draft, fine absolutely. Drink. A lovely drink. We still haven't got any advertising from this, have we? We've no, had we no big commercial beer companies sending us lots of free beer at all. Nope. I don't know why I drink beer on a Saturday afternoon. It's not getting me anywhere. <laughs> no, exactly. You should stop. Calm down. I mean, let's not get hysterical about this. <laughs> uh, well, anyway, without any further ado, let us tell the listeners... Listener. Thank you. Uh, why we are here talking today. What album have you been listening to this week? Let's hope it's the same one I've been listening to. This week. <laughs> Please, God, let's hope. Um, I have been listening mostly to Peter Gabriel's second solo album, often referred to as Scratch. Excellent, because I've been listening to that as well. That's what I've been making notes on. (laughs) Good, good. So this album was released on the 2nd of June, 1978. It was, Uh, and produced by the legendary Robert Fripp. Oh, legendary Robert Fripp. So this was the fastest album Peter has recorded. Uh, In fact, it was uh, recorded between November 1977 and February 1978. He recorded it. I'm just saying, remembering these are the days when albums used to take, you know, two or three months to do, rather than currently where bands have much more technology, but seems to take a hell of a lot longer to do an album. Well, exactly. And Peter Gabriel especially seems to be releasing albums more on a sort of a, a Fibonacci scale of um release dates at the moment uh your maths in there <laughs> yeah exactly so you know his last album was released in 2002 his album before that was released in uh, 1992 which should mean we're about uh, due the, i'm trying to, i'm trying to work out how when it'll be 2037 is it yeah yeah that sounds about right yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. so for him to have written and recorded an album in you know three months is pretty impressive, really. Yeah, when you consider, I mean, three months is is pretty good just to record. Never mind to write yeah. and record. Well, exactly. I mean, we were locked down. Well, you weren't, but I was locked down for three months at the start of this year, and I didn't record and write an album. No, in fact, you did nothing at all, did you? Literally the opposite. <laughs> you unrecorded an album, Simon. I I erased an album from history. <laughs> Okay, good. Good to know. Anyway, back to this album. Back to the album. This was recorded at Hilvarenbeck. I beg your pardon? Uh, Hilvarenbeck, which Bless is you. in the Netherlands, which you may remember from the Genesis times. I do indeed. It's, it's a famous uh, recording studio that Genesis used two or three times, didn't they? Uh, yes, I believe Wyndham Wuthering and... Before they bought them. Now that sounds wrong, doesn't it? <laughs> Before they bought the farm. Yeah. <laughs> That's a yeah. flashback to all those Vietnam War films now. They're not dead. <laughs> uh, anyway, before they bought the farm, they recorded at that particular studio in the Netherlands, didn't they? That's right. It was also recorded in New York. And uh, like you said, Robert Fripp produced the album and he he encouraged Peter to record really quickly. And he also encouraged him to use a closer sound and less effects on the um, on the album, so no orchestral arrangements here. No, it's it's um, pretty much just a basic band sound, isn't it? Mm, yeah. yeah. Now this this particular album, I mean, Fripp was originally his idea behind this album as well was was that it was going to be part of a trilogy, wasn't it? Yes, that's correct. Um, so Robert Fripp's debut solo album, Exposure, was recorded in New York at the same time as the recording sessions for this album in New York, and that 
also features a version of Here Comes the Flood on that album and also features another version of Exposure. It's amazing. Uh, I mean, a couple of tracks. So it just goes to show that me and Robert Fripp have got something in common. We've both got yeah, records for exposure. exposure. Different type of exposure. Oh, oh okay. <laughs> uh, well, um, I can claim that anyway. <laughs> and the the third part of the trilogy was Daryl Hall's what? solo album, what? Sacred Songs. Daryl exactly. Hall? Yeah, Daryl Hall of Hall and Oates fame. Um, but I would say it's worth checking out that Daryl Hall album because it is oh, the weirdest out of the three. Really? Because I, yes, I it's I've not, always had quite a sneaking admiration for Hall and Oates. Um, don't yeah, don't tell yeah. anybody about that. Though. They're all right, all right. So, so you know, yeah, I might check that out anyway, just for, just for giggles, you know. Yeah, but, um, it doesn't sound anything like Hall and Oates. It sounds like a weird Robert Fripp album with Daryl Hall singing. I mean, it. a weirder Robert Fripp album. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, they get steadily weirder. So this album we're going to be listening to today was the first part of the trilogy. It's the least weird part of the trilogy. Yeah. And it gets weirder. Yeah, because this album isn't particularly weird, is it? It's it's kind of a straight album. Um, And I'll come back to that particular uh, comment later. Um, But continuing with this album, it reached number 10 in the UK charts. It did not quite as good as his first album, which got to number no, seven. It didn't it? Didn't really sell very well after that, did it? It never really yeah, reached the plateau set by the first album. No, no, it didn't. Um, it also didn't do quite as well in the US. Only got to number forty-five in the US compared to number thirty-eight for the do first think, album. Do you think that was due to the fact that this album had so few? Well, did it have a single? It did have a single. DIY was released as a single from this album. You're joking me? No, that's a very short track. It is, it is. Um, and that was the one they thought they released as a single? That was the one they released. We'll come to that when we get to that track. But yeah, that was the only single release from the album, and it didn't chart. It's kind of understanding why then this album didn't sell particularly well. It had nothing to hang exactly. on, no hooks exactly. to, to draw the punters in. It got really good reviews at the time, um, generally favourable. So it wasn't that it was unpopular in terms of press. It right. just didn't sell. Just, I mean, well, and, the thing is, if you, unless you have a single on on the album, usually or really good word of mouth, mm. there's very little to draw the general public in to buy an album. So all you're going to exactly. appeal to is the fans that are already there, rather than exactly. you know Joe Public. I mean, and talking to the fans as part of the promotion for this album, Peter actually appeared with Genesis uh, at Madison Square Gardens, at a concert there, and he came on stage and performed "I Know What I Like" as the encore with Phil. Wow. Um, and that was deliberately to help promote the album. Wow. Uh, that just showed that there was still, uh, you know, positive feelings between the bands at that point. Yeah. Well, that's the thing, isn't it? These, we, we've spoken about this before. When somebody leaves Genesis, it's generally on good terms and they remain friends afterwards. So, um, I mean, if, if, if like you ever went solo, I'd yeah. hunt you down. Well, exactly. Hmm. I'd move. So you you'd have to. Me. You would have to. <laughs> I would I would yeah. hunt you down to the ends of the earth in in hatred and stuff. I mean know. that's obviously because I'd be the more popular of of the two of us solo. I'd I'd be the Phil to your Tony. <laughs> <laughs> Dream on. <laughs> I'm moving swiftly along before we, we come to blows. Yes. But yeah, uh, it was during this period that uh, Peter was really, really embracing the punk and new wave sounds. It's weird because that doesn't really come across in this album, does it? No, it doesn't. I mean, it's it's a looser, I suppose it's got a harder edge than a lot of other prog in inverted commas albums. Hmm. Um, 
but it isn't punk by any stretch of imagination. But no. I don't think Peter wanted to make a punk album. I think he just liked the energy and the sort of the dynamics of the punk scene. Yeah, I mean, there's a couple of tracks on this album that are that are livelier than mm. perhaps we're used to or or expecting to come from Peter yeah. at this point. Um, but by no means anywhere in any way stretch. Um, Hard rock, never mind punk. No, but it, it is shorter songs. It's it's more stripped back sound, isn't it? Basically, so Very he's much kind so, yeah. of taken that punk ethos and 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 run with with it in his own way. Um, and you know, a lot of, we've we've spoken about this a lot of times. We spoke about it in the Aunt Phillips episode that a lot of bands at this point were going under because yeah. they were prog bands. You know, yeah, they, 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 they it just, just wasn't the scene killed. anymore, man. You know what I'm yeah. saying? I mean, prog rock wouldn't really come back in for quite a few years. To, um, yeah. And then it started becoming a little bit popular again. But that was only mostly the, the original bands coming back and reforming, as it were, after this yeah. brief hiatus. You had bands yeah. like Yes that sort of dwindled out in the early 80s and then mm. re-sort of formed or, or reappeared on the scene again. Especially yeah. when uh, Yes released uh, 90210 or whatever it is. It One wasn't of those really numbers. until... Until 82, when Marillion hit the scene, um, well, the mainstream, I should say, yes. uh, that prog really started to come back in style again. Obviously, there were there were other bands around that period as well that were coming in, but Marillion was the one that really opened the door again for, yeah. for prog. But we had seen the back of quite a few classic bands. Yeah. yeah, by this time, you know, Gentle Giant and Camel and Caravan and all these yeah. bands were just out of there. Yeah, they were they, out of there. Pretty much, pretty much gone. Yeah. Then again, you know, we saw some of them return, but yeah. prog never really, really came back the same, did it? It was less. No, I mean, it came back, but it was less experimental. I think. I, well, I wouldn't say it was less experimental, but it was less uh, overblown. I think. Yes, um, less grand. It, yeah, less flamboyant. Maybe is the word. I don't really know what the word is, but you know, there were there was none of the excesses of flamboyant worked Palmer. really well. I think that does really bring out what um, prog rock in the 70s yeah. was about. It was flamboyancy, yeah. wasn't it? We exactly, had the big yeah. the big acts, the big bands, the big pieces on stage, the flamboyant um, mm. uh, lead singers and various yeah. other members. I mean, Rick Wakeman wore a cape, for God's sake. <laughs> exactly. I mean, and when you think of Marillion, you know, Fish was wearing face paint and was using props. But the band themselves were actually a lot closer in style to the sort of the new wave of yes of music. You know, the Stranglers and even the Smiths. Um, that's that's what Marillion's sound was more like. It was more like that than you know Camel. Yes, yeah, definitely. So, but anyway, that's that's by the by. That is so, by the by, which is what they said about prog rock at the time. Well, exactly. In many ways, then Peter was kind of ahead of his head of the curve again with his changing his sound to a harder edge sound on this album mm. but yeah so he'd seen the sex pistols at the 100 club uh, and he liked that that sort of spirit that they had and he ended up playing uh, a punk version of white a shade of pale yes his he tour. did didn't he yeah which which must yeah. have been interesting to listen to at the time it's an odd choice of song to do a punk version of um and i wonder why he chose that particular one to to punkify i suppose he could have done any number of songs well that is true but um if you'll just hold on a second i think i have a tape one of our special tapes that will actually explain why that came about have you got it yeah let's play it i have got it let's play it now i'll put it in the machine 
Right, Peter. There's good news and there's bad news. Okay. Uh, did you want to hear either? Uh, at the moment, Rich, I'm just trying to get myself into the zone, ready to play. I'm not really interested in whether the Queen's visiting the Commonwealth or, or what celebrity actor has just died. No, 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 no. I mean, there's good news and there's bad news about the gig. Oh, right. Oh, sorry. Uh, I'm feeling a bit distracted. It was nice of Tony Stratton-Smith to book me onto this festival at such short notice, but it would have been nice to have some rehearsal time. OK, so, the good news, you'll be second on the bill to one of the biggest bands of the moment. Oh, really? Uh, who is it? Yes? Camel? Pink Floyd? It's not Genesis, is it? No, it's most certainly not Genesis. I hope it's Pink Floyd. I've always wanted to meet him. No, it's not the Floyd either. Right, Peter, prepare yourself. It's not going to be like your usual crowd. If a band I'm supporting is that big, I'd, I'd better do something special. What about a cover of A Whiter Shade of Pale? Tony, we're doing a cover of A Whiter Shade of Pale today. Um, that's an interesting idea, Peter, but but please let me finish. Oh, I know. I'll wow them with a Genesis song or two. Um, I could do The Lamb and, and then Supper's Ready. Hmm. The band will be able to pick it up as we go along, I'm sure. Peter, these are all good ideas for your own tour. Well, thanks very much. But in this case, you might want to rethink it. Oh? Why? Because you're supporting the Stranglers. The Stranglers? The punk band? But why are they headlining a prog festival? They aren't. But you said... They aren't headlining a prog festival, Peter, because this is a punk festival. What? But I'm not a punk. I know, I know. I've just got off the phone to Tony Stratton-Smith. He booked it because he assumed any festival in Battersea Park was going to be a prog festival. He didn't check the other bands because he doesn't understand punk. Well, who are the other bands on the bill? Well, apart from the Stranglers, you've got The Ruts, Discharge, GBH, Cosmic Zits and Brutal Head Trauma. Oh. They sound violent. They are. Cosmic Zits have just gone on stage to a rain of bottles filled with weed. Wow. The crowd must really hate them. No, no. That was from their fans. What? I'm 28 years old. As far as that crowd are concerned, I'm practically ancient. They're going to eat me alive. Yes. But there's no choice now. It's too late to pull out. <laughs> what am I going to do? You need to look the part, Peter. Take off that flower costume and put on this high-vis jacket. Where did you get that? Don't ask, but put this on and then we'll shave your head. No, not my trademark hairdo. Surely there's another way. Trust me, there isn't. Do you want to be showered in weed? Do you want to have excrement thrown at you? No. That's a shame, because that's what the popular acts are getting. Do you want to be popular, Peter? Well, yes. Then get changed. And you know the covers you mentioned? The lamb? And white shade of pale? Yes. Do them anyway. The crowd will bottle me off stage. Do them anyway, but in a punk style. It will come across like you're taking the mickey out of prog. They'll love you for it. Right. And I could open with the children's song, me and my teddy bear, to, to throw them off. Well, probably not. No, it's a great idea. <sighs> what would I do without you, Rich? So there you go. That's why. So it was all Richard McPhail's fault. <laughs> it was indeed. See, when you've got access to this volume of history that we have, you can yeah. explain so many things with the right piece of uh, recorded dialogue. 
I mean, we're not going to get sued for any of this, are we? Because no, no. I mean, they'd, they'd have to trace how we got it, and it's all you know, cloak and dagger and under the covers sort of stuff. So hush, hush. Yes, very hush, hush. So you know, they'd have to admit that it was there, and they were recording these things. So I don't think anybody's prepared to step forward and do that sort of thing. <laughs> I think we're fine. We're fine. Yeah. We're fine. Lord. If anything, Excellent. we're going to get sued for so many other things first. <laughs> so this was around the time when Peter was playing at, as we've heard, he played at Battersea Park with the Stranglers. He also played at Nebworth in September in 1978, um, which was alongside Frank Zappa, the Tubes and the Boomtown Rats. Wow. I wasn't aware so, Nebworth had been uh, hosting gigs for so long, actually. Uh, well, yeah, yeah. Um, it, apparently, that that gig there was only a month after Genesis had headlined Nebworth, wow. so it was really trying to move with the times, at least, I suppose. Yeah, we're getting so many new influences of music at that time. Uh, mm-hmm. I think a lot of um, promoters of these events were really struggling to keep up with yeah. the changing in music because there were so yeah. many different influences coming in. You know, you, you could book the Stranglers this week and hope that in March, when they're actually on stage, they're still popular. It must have been quite a daring challenge to come up with a lineup that was still going to be relevant when you actually do the gig. Yeah, exactly. So Peter started his tour in August 1978 with gigs in Oxford, and it went through Europe and USA before ending in December 1978 at the Hammersmith Odeon. And he did a number of Christmas concerts with Tom Robinson, another new wave artist. Yeah. Most yeah. famous for his hit single, 2468 Motorway. He was quite big at the time. He's actually, I think, I believe he's a DJ on Radio 6 Music at the moment. Is he really? Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> because of punk, Charisma Records were starting to break up at this point. Tony Stratton-Smith didn't understand the appeal of punk. Um, and Gail Colson, who was Tony Stratton-Smith's uh, assistant, basically went away to America for a week to find a producer for an album and came back to find that he had signed uh, the Blue Nile and, and a band called Razor, which she'd never heard of and which were more proggy bands. I mean, the Blue Nile are still going today and they are kind of not prog rock so much, more sort of Simple Minds-ish. Oh, right, yes. Okay. Pop. I'd never um, heard of the, those two bands, I must admit. The Blue Nile are okay. The Blue Nile are okay, actually. Um, but a Razor I've never heard of. But she'd wanted him to sign the Boomtown Rats and Elvis Costello and Devo. And because <laughs> he didn't understand the scene at the time, he didn't sign them. Yeah, and so my, she quit. My wife has the same sort of thing. She'll send me to the co-op for things like bread and butter, and I just come back with beer. It's the same yeah. same sort of problem. It's exactly the same thing. Yeah. Um, so Gail Colson quit Charisma and went on to manage Peter Gabriel and also Peter Hamill from Van de Graaff Generator. She wasn't exactly following the, the punk curve though that she she was setting out there. Van de Graaff Generator aren't really punk. I wouldn't I wouldn't no, say. No, they're not. But Peter Gabriel and Peter Hamill were both accepted by the punk and new wave crowd which is a bit weird they, when you think about they it they weren't doing prog rock they no, weren't doing the long keyboard song either so it's, it's odd that they should be mm. you know sort of okay with that yeah it is but the, yeah but the both of those two were accepted so they were kind of in the same wheelhouse i suppose right um so she she only managed those two at the time so Tony Levin's on this album again. Tony Levin obviously is Peter's long-time collaborator. He's been on almost every single album that Peter's released um, and still plays live with him today. Okay. We've got Larry Fast and Robert Fripp. So those three returning from the first Peter Gabriel album. Raw keyboarding. Yep. And then you've got Jerry Marotta who came in on drums. And Jerry Marotta also played with Peter for quite a long time. 
Um, I believe he played with him on was on album up to so. Didn't he also do backing vocals on some of the tracks? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah, um, and Jerry Marotta actually also plays in a band called the Security Project, which is basically a Peter Gabriel cover band, okay. uh, which tours around. They're quite good actually. They started off with a guy singing who was basically doing a Peter Gabriel impression, and he was okay. And then they replaced him with a, a female singer called Happy Roads. That's not her real name, surely. I don't know. It sounds like a porn star. It does sound like a porn star. Yeah, yeah. Um, but she sounds like Kate Bush, basically. So they now do Peter Gabriel and Kate Bush songs. Wow. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Um, and they they sprinkle in a few Genesis tracks into that as well. So That's a heady mix they've got going there. It is. Worth checking out. I've not seen them live, but I've got a few of their EPs that they've released. You can check them out on Bandcamp. Okay. Um, they're, they're, they're pretty good. So there you go, listeners. Check it out on Bandcamp. Check that out on Bandcamp, fans. So, and the album cover was once again by Hypnosis. Yes, I know. Another one. They seem to be doing the rounds for everybody. Yeah. Mainly the, again, was this a leftover from doing the um, prog rock stuff? Because Hypnosis did a lot of album covers. Not all prog rock, I mentally, because... You know, Pink Floyd, they did some of the main mm. Pink Floyd covers. But they, they really cornered the market on iconic covers, didn't they? Yeah, I mean, think of an iconic cover, and it's probably Probably hypnosis. hypnosis, yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, like you say, Pink Floyd stuff, Black Holes and Revelations by Muse. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. All the stuff that you could think of. If you, if you see a T-shirt with an album cover on, it was probably Hypnosis. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Yeah, they were that um, iconic with the stuff they did. Photos were shot in New York by an assistant, Storm Thorgerson, uh, and it was Storm who had the idea of pulling the scratches down. Yeah, kind of so. a sort of... Um, it's kind of Peter Gabriel being uh, depreciative of himself, isn't he? The scratching down mm. his own image. Yeah, which kind of fits in with the theme of the album, really. I mean, it we'll does, get into that at the end. Yeah. But, yes. but, but these first four albums he did, which he completely refused to name, um, that must have driven the promoters bonkers because <laughs> they couldn't call it anything. They could just say, yeah. ah, Peter Gabriel's album's coming out. Which one? Yeah. Peter Gabriel. Which one? Yeah. Peter. Ga- oh, God. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, it must have been must have been tricky for them to promote it. Mm. I mean, well, well, do we know why he refused to actually name these? Or was it's it not just... a refusal. He, he, it was a deliberate thing. He wanted it to be like a magazine. So, you know, you buy a copy of Esquire magazine and it's Esquire. It's not Esquire, da 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 It's just Esquire and it's number five or number ten or whatever. Right. So it's supposed to be a magazine. So this is Peter Gabriel, issue one. Peter Gabriel, issue two. Okay. And so on. So, so that was the idea one, two, behind three, four on them. He could very well have done, yeah, but he didn't. Um, but I mean, that what you're saying there, that whole promotion thing led to Geffen Records in America putting a sticker that said security on Peter Gabriel's fourth album, which is the only reason that that album is referred to as security. Really? Whereas, whereas obviously we refer to the first three by their album covers, Car, yeah, car scratch, scratch, Melt. Melt. Yeah. So, yeah, and Geffen had signed him after. Peter Gabriel 3, and insisted that he give a name to Peter Funny Gabriel 4 for the American market. Funny enough, that's kind of the process I go through when I return to the car park after leaving my car there yeah. for a while. Come back, there's a scratch. Car, <laughs> scratch, and then I have a meltdown. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I think that's perhaps security. what happened to him. So, so, you know, that's why I thought car, scratch, melt, that's my albums. Yeah. Oh, there you go. Moving swiftly along. Moving swiftly along. Enough of your car troubles. Well, <laughs> 
So that's the album facts. In a nutshell. Shall we move on to the tracks themselves? I have. My breath has never been so baited. Good. Let's move on to the tracks then. So moving swiftly on to track number one, and that is what we are right now. Drunk? No, on the air. Oh. What do you reckon to that then? What, the song? Were you singing that? Yeah, me singing. That's my cover version of it. I'm going to be releasing that as a an album. I think I prefer it. What? Whilst this track started... Well, no, no. This track started very lively, and I thought, mm-hmm. oh, this is going to be a kicking album. And it yeah. started, and it was lively, but it was longer than I think it should have been. Mm, it's about five and a half minutes long, isn't it, I think? Yeah, longer than I thought it was going to mm. be. Um, yeah. For for the way it started, the, the, you know, the liveliness of it, I thought it was going to be a short, boppy, rocky track to to open the album, but it yeah. just kept going on a little bit longer. I mean, mm. it was nice enough, but I thought yeah. the keyboard sounds sounded a bit tired. I mean, yeah. I know we've we've got thirty, forty years of experience to look back and go, oh, they sound a bit tired. At the time, mm-hmm. they were probably weren't, but they feel it now. Yeah. It feels a bit electronic as well. I didn't I didn't particularly like that. Yeah, it's part of... Well, this is this is part of Robert Fripp's Frippertronics business, isn't it? Where he's yeah. adding lots of sound effects and things to it. Can't say I'm um, a massive fan. I mean, I really like this song, actually. I think this is a really great opener to the album. It's really... It kicks in and it gets you moving uh, uh, to start off with. Compared to the rest of the album, I agree with you entirely. This is probably the most lively track on here. And it is a good one to start with. It's just... I couldn't say for sure that I actually like the track, though. Well, okay, that's fair enough. I mean, I think you can really... You can hear Peter Gabriel trying to embrace that new wave sound on this, though, from the very start. I mean, it doesn't sound much like anything from his first album. No, not at, at all. all. I mean, the first album um, was so experimental mm-hmm. and he was trying so many different things. Yeah. And when I came to listen to this album, I was kind of expecting the same level of experimentation or at least having settled down into something he wanted. But I don't think we got that with this album. I don't know. We'll talk about that at the end in the overall review section. But... I want to talk about it now, Simon. Tough. 
<laughs> Shot down again. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I, I think this is a really, really good track. I really like this track. Um, nice rocking opener. The only thing about it is the vocals sound really muddy in the mix. I'm glad you said that. I thought that too. I, it, there's a lot. I'm going to keep repeating this throughout all of these tracks. I don't think Peter Gabriel's suited to this kind of music. His vocals mm. don't seem... He's not stretching himself, and he's settled yeah. down into a kind of singing, which really isn't suiting his voice on this album. Mm. Um, it's a lot higher as well, isn't it, than normal for It him? is, but it's it's not... He's not singing with emotion, mm. and it, that's coming across. It's like he's trying to sing somebody else's song, yeah, and he ha- yeah. hasn't been told what it's supposed to sound like. He's just... Yeah, it just doesn't sound like what we will come to know as classic Gabriel yeah. approach to singing. Um, yeah, this sounds like something he's doing uh, for a friend rather than something he's doing for himself. I mean, um, I wonder if that's because Robert Fripp had so much control over the album. Probably, um, I just and just, although Peter wrote the songs, Robert yeah, produced just, them, and it just doesn't feel like Peter's heart yeah. is in singing these tracks. And I'm yeah. going to say that. Pretty much through it, the entirety of this album, I have to say. Yeah. I'm not giving anything away as to whether I like this album, but yeah. it just feels like he could have given more vocally. Yeah. But this one, yeah, you're quite right. This one really does sound distorted and muddied, mm. and it's not the the lyrics aren't crystal clear. It's like they're they're yeah. an afterthought. Yeah. I mean, I will say that the live version of this track that's on uh, Peter Gabriel plays live is a lot better vocally. Yeah. Than- well, I can I can imagine it would be because your vocals would be to the front when you're mixing it um, for yeah. a live performance. The vocals would come more to the front. On this, they sound muted and mm. a bit, as you said, muddied, not clear. And yeah. uh, I, I I thought, considering the amount of effort he'd gone to for this album to get the right mixing, because he complained about the first album's mixing. Mm. I think he's actually stepped backwards. I don't think this album's mixed at nearly half as well as the first album. No, I, I think I agree, actually. I don't think... I, I like Robert Fripp. I think he's a great creative force in bit, music. He's an but innovator. He's, yeah, but his production on this album leaves a lot to be desired, I think. I agree, I agree. This this sounds like a bad recording of an album. Mm, yeah, but anyway, before we move on to the next track, this is another song in Peter's Mozo cycle. Um, actually mentions Mozo in the lyrics. Uh, I want Would you everybody like to, to explain know... the Mozo cycle? I will. But he says, I want everybody to know that Mozo is here. So Mozo's... The... We've spoken about this in the... when we talked about Peter Gabriel's first album. I'm not surprised you don't remember it. You assume I remember anything you quite, long... <laughs> quite a while ago. Um, but yeah, so Mozo is a character who is featured on several songs over Peter's career. The last time we heard him was on Down the Dolce Vita, and here comes the flood. Okay. But yeah, Mozo turns up when there is odd things going on, like psychic leakages and things, and he helps people, uh, basically. That's the best way to describe him. Okay. Was this a children's television series? No, it was a series of songs that Peter Gabriel wrote, but he had the concept of a story, and he was going to do a concept al- album about it, but then didn't. Is that because so... concept albums have become, suddenly become a thing of the past? Well, no, it's it's not that. It's He's used the songs as he's written them and come up with them. So he had the idea for the story, and right. then he wrote a couple of songs, and then he released those songs. Then he came up with a couple of other songs, then he released those songs. So even on um, Up... 
there are Mozo cycle songs. Okay. So okay. he's been releasing these things over the course of his career, and he's never officially said what order they should go in or which ones go into it. So Red Rain, for example, from So right. is part of this cycle. Okay. All right. I shall. Um, well, I don't know what to do with that information, to be perfectly honest. Yeah. He can't even really Google it either because it doesn't really come up with anything other than interviews where Peter mentions it as a character. So. This okay. is part of that cycle. There's another track on this album that's part of that cycle as well, which we'll come to later. Okay. So, next song on the album is... DIY. DIY. As we mentioned before, that was the only single that was released from this album. And the single version was slightly remixed and slightly extended. It would uh, have to, to be. Because longer. even at yeah. it, two minutes, 30 seconds or something? Uh, two and a half minutes, yeah. It's not yeah. very long, is it? Not really. <sighs> what did you think of this one, Simon? Um, again, I like this track. It's not my favourite track. Peter's giving a really aggressive vocal on this. It reminded me, his vocal style, not the song itself, but the way he's singing it, has um, reminded me of uh, Back in New York City from The Lamb. Okay. The way he sings it. Oh, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, I see. But I think on the album, this is the most new wave sounding track. But um, not one to release as a single at this point. I no, think. no. It doesn't really fit in anywhere, does it? No, there, there are better songs on this album that they could have released as a single. I the, think. the first one on the air would have been better than this one as a single. Yeah. I mean, yeah. take away the musical bit at the end and, you know, mm. you, could, you could have trimmed this down to a single. Yeah, exactly. But it, odd, really odd choice. I couldn't tell you why it was chosen as a single because it does seem like a, a, a strange choice. My opinion of this is, as you know, in my personal life, I, I particularly hate DIY. <laughs> I actually yeah. hate this track more. Yes. it's not. I did not like this track at all. Mm. Um, I just thought it was it was an odd, short track. It didn't really work for me, I don't think. And I cannot understand what possessed them to release it as a single. It does seem really good. Now, I don't think it's actually about DIY. <laughs> no, it's not about DIY. I was just making a connection there between my hatred of DIY and my hatred <laughs> of not, this track. 
called DIY. You've got to stop taking me so literal, Simon. Do you think it's actually about masturbation? I thought that's exactly what it's about, yes. Yeah, because that would mean that a lot of Peter's songs are secretly about sex or sexual things. Um, And this is kind of the first one where it's like that. It it is more obvious what it's about than some of his Mm. other songs, which have been about sex or sexual acts or other things to do with sex. I can't think of, um, you know, sexual... uh, Healing. Sexual healing. You know, the the, the various sexual things. Um, But but yeah, this one's probably his most obvious with regard to the sexual connotations. Yes. So you don't like this track then? No, not at all. No, I, I, do, quite I like couldn't it. understand why they would possibly release it as a single. It's not no. interesting. It's not musically interesting. I don't mm. think it's vocally interesting. Again, I don't think he's singing to what he can do. And I think he's being held up by the style of music. Yeah, quite probably. It's um, not It's I think... not suitable for what he does. To be honest, his yeah. first uh, album, because of the experimentalness of it, I think he put more into it because there was more of that album of himself yeah. And this album. This album seems, yeah. I know it's early to start discussing what we think of the album, but it seems like mm. he's trying to appease somebody because he's not, yeah. none of this album is like what will come or what has been. Yeah. He changes I mean, over in- the years for different styles of music, but this one yeah. sticks out because it's not even in line with the current mode of music. So mm. I don't think this album was particularly well placed in time for yeah. its style or particularly well-placed for his singing talents. I mean, it's interesting that he doesn't really perform anything from this album live anymore. I'm not Um, at all surprised, to be honest. You know, and he still performs Here Comes the Flood and he performs Salisbury Hill on every tour. As indeed he should. Yeah, but he doesn't really perform anything from this. Um, The closest, actually, was, I believe, on the warm-up tour in 2002... He performed the next track, which we'll go on to now, which is Mother of Violence. Mouth all dry, eyes bloodshot, data stored in my drawdown. Gig in the cloud with my magazine juice. TV dinner, TV news. I fear, fear, she's a mother of violence. That was co-written by his wife at the time, Jill Gabriel. Um, and as I say, when he performed it live, his daughter actually sings it. Wow. Um, so... Yeah, but that really, that's pretty much the only track that gets performed. This one's actually quite nice. I love the piano mm. on this. It's a very yeah. nice... Um, uh, Roy Bitten, wasn't it? Um, that's right, yeah, from the E Street Band. Bruce yeah, he's, he's, band. He, this is probably better than anything he ever did for Springsteen. Um, <gasps> I know, I know people are going to say, what? 
but you know, I'm basing that on my hatred of Springsteen. Um, but it's like I, I love the piano on this, and I think it's horribly let down by the fact that it's such a dull song. Yeah, it, it's quite lilting, dull, it's gentle, dull. Uh, makes a nice change from the first two harder-edged tracks. Oh yeah, it's a change in tone, definitely, mm. but. I, it's like so stepping on dog poo when you're having a nice walk. It doesn't mean it's what you want. But I personally, I, th- I think it's just the right length. I think if it was any longer, it would get really, really dull. I think it just about manages to hit the sweet spot between too long, not long enough. Yeah, um, I agree. Yeah, it does hit that nice. sweet spot between boring you to death and you reaching <laughs> for the off button. <laughs> so not not a favourite of yours then. Not even by a long way, no. Um, don't get me wrong, it's particularly... I, I say, I love the piano on this. I think it's particularly mm-hmm. well played. Um, yeah. The music isn't too bad. Yeah, It's just, oh, so dull. It's just, yeah. there's no way well, you'd want to listen to this again. This will never appear on one of your mm. Peter Gabriel compilation tapes. No, I mean, I do like this track, I must say, but... It's not my favourite on the album, and it's not one of my favourite Peter Gabriel tracks. Uh, I'm going to come right out and say it now. I don't think there's a Peter Gabriel track that I dislike. I'm sure we'll probably come to one in in future, and I'll say, oh, actually, I don't like this track. But I love Peter Gabriel's stuff, so, yeah. But this is not in my top ten Peter Gabriel tracks. No. I mean, this is an example of Robert Fripp wanting to strip songs back and not quite make them as bombastic as the first one. This one potentially could have been quite a, uh, a... an orchestral strings-led ballad, and instead you've got loads of weird buzzing sound effects in the background, haven't you? You have, yeah. Um, Must have been an interesting conversation between Robert and Peter about, in particular, this track and the production of this track. Oh, 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 I think I have a recording of that very conversation. (gasps) No, no, not another recording. Another recording. It's almost like, you know, you knew in advance what kind of recordings I have in my drawer. Almost. It's almost as if we planned it. Isn't it? Nobody's mm. ever going to believe that, Simon. <laughs> anyway, anyway, I should just look in my drawer of plenty and see if I have, yep. can get my... Ah, here it is. I will put it in the machine now. So, we just need to add the guitar solo to the track and then perspective is completed. Instead of a guitar solo, have you considered something else? Like what, Bob? I mean, I- I'm open to ideas. I think it would really add to the track. Instead of a guitar solo, we added the sound of an elephant that's been pumped full of helium and exploded. Uh... It would make the track stand out from the crowd. Well, yes. Yes, it would. But I'm not sure I want it to stand out quite that much. Your loss. OK, right. So, on the air is all done. Hmm. Something, Bob? We've added the keyboard sounds at the start of the song, but that doesn't work for me. Right. What if we use the sounds of nature? Hmm. Okay, I'm listening. Something really ambient, like the sounds of a slaughterhouse just before the pigs get put onto the killing floor. Bob, is is everything all right at home? I'm just trying to make the best album for you, Peter. I know you weren't happy with the production on your first record. I just want you to be happy. It just... These suggestions are... They're a bit... Yes? Well, they're they're a bit violent. Fear is the mother of violence, Peter. But I see where you're going. You want the album to be bland. I get it. What? Bland? No. 
I want this one to be something special. I just don't think the sound of animals being killed in weird ways is right for what I want to achieve. Don't get upset, Peter. It's not a deal-breaker. If you prefer to have a regular instrumentation, then that's what we'll do. Thank you. Oh, so that reminds me. Jill wrote the lyrics for a song called Mother of Violence, and I said I'd put it on the album. It's not that great, but I thought we could get Roy Bitten from Bruce Springsteen's band to play piano on it. Or alternatively, I could play backwards guitar on it instead. Uh, Well, maybe, Bob. I'm not sure the song really justifies it, though. Doesn't it? It was good enough for Bowie. It's kind of your signature sound, though, isn't it? Backwards guitar. Oh, so you think you're better than David Bowie, then? No, not not really. It's just that I've I've hired an orchestra to play some lush strings on it. I want it to sound like an epic love song, like Here Comes the Flood from the last album. Well, you could do that, but I'm producing this album, so what I say goes. Sorry? I said, this is my album. It's going to be the first part of a Frippotronics trilogy. This album... My solo album, and then an album by Daryl Hall. Daryl Hall? Out of out of Hall and Oates? That's right. It will be a trilogy of such mind-bending sounds that people's heads will explode. Oh, that's, that's not really what I'm looking for, Bob. So? Hmm, good name for an album. Uh, Bob, I'd just like an album of great songs to prove I can operate outside of a band situation. What you want is irrelevant. Bob? You will bow to my will. You will become like me. Bob, you're scaring me. Please, please calm down. You will become more like me. All musicians will become Robert Fripp. The whole of the music industry will exist as one colossal whole. Frippatronics, resistance is futile. Okay, we can add the backwards guitar if it will make you happy. Oh, okay. Right, so, exposure. That needs some vocals adding. Or we could record the sound of a glacier melting over the course of a hundred years and add that instead... Hmm. So there you go. Hmm. I'm I'm glad some of those sound effects that Robert wanted to put in didn't make it onto the album, to be fair. It would have certainly made it a more um, challenging listen. Hmm. And he did sound like he'd gone a bit power-crazed. He kind of did, didn't he? Yeah, I think think we understand now why Peter was feeling a bit maybe more timid singing this, if he certainly felt that, you know, Fripp was controlling him so much during the production of this album. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Ooh, anyway, so mm. not not your favourite, not my favourite. I like it more than you, this last track. Let's go on yeah. to the next track, shall we? Please. It's a wonderful day in a one-way world. Is it? Mm. There's a man on the floor, so I summon my trunk. I said, hey, scumbag, has there been an alarm? Time is money and money 
are the one way out Strange voice shout Don't let that good man out Have a wonderful day In a one way world One way One day Have a wonderful day In a one way world One way Another dull one for me, I'm afraid. Um, yeah, the music's nice enough, but otherwise, it's quite, kind of quirky. It is, is quirky, but it's not quirky enough to be interesting. This is nothing like we were expecting from you know the first album. Um, I don't know. To me, this this is like this is the excuse me of this album. It's a really, really quirky Randy Newman style lyric. Um, but yeah, but I hate Randy of- Newman as well. Well, you should like Randy Newman. He's great, um, but I mean, musically, I think it's quite upbeat. It's, I think, I think this is the closest to the first album that he comes. I'm struggling with this album. I've got to admit, and and this particular track has not endeared me to this album anymore. Yeah. Um, I find I just I'm just bored already hmm. of this album. I have to say, it's it's just not interesting enough. There's it's musically, it's not interesting enough. Lyrically. There's nothing I can hang a hat on and go, yeah, I really like this track. Do you not like the, the clever wordplay in this lyric then on this one? Not really, no. No, it's like all those nice little rhyming bits and it's nice little couplets. Do you not, do you not think the lyrics are interesting from that point of view? So it rhymes. Most yeah. songs do. Colour me no, surprised. They well, they, they <laughs> have a go at rhyming bits. Otherwise, <laughs> they, they come out sounding weird. Um, <laughs> so colour me, you know, surprised that he's found a few words that string together. But yeah, no, I'm sorry, I just, no, I'm mm-hmm. just not interested in this song at all. Fair enough. I quite like it. It's got some good, great bass playing. Oh yeah, I should say some of the bass. music's really nice. I yeah. have got no problem with the music on this track. It is, it is very well played. Mm. It's just not interesting enough to hold my attention. I'm afraid. Well, all right then. Well, let's move on, shall we? Please. Next track is White Shadow. Yes. 
I like that one as well. This is a corker of a track. I like this one. It woke yep. me up from my slumber. Yes. This, I mean, this was the original closing track to the first side of the vinyl album. Uh, and I had this. I used to have this on vinyl. I don't know where it's got. I think I sold it. I think I got rid of a load of my vinyls years ago. Um, but this, the runoff groove, the music kept playing in the runoff groove. Yes. So when the, until you took the needle off, it just played that there were several albums at the time that did the same sort of thing. I think there yeah. was a Monty Python uh, yeah. record where it scratched at the end and it kept jumping back to the scratch. Yeah. Um, so it sounded <laughs> like your, your record deck was broken. Um, <laughs> but yeah, there's, um, this is a much grander sound than we've had on yeah. this album so far. Yeah, I mean, he's really showing off his, uh, his prog side on this track, Yeah, isn't and his, he? his singing is so much better on this track. It's more yeah. like what we expect from his voice. Yeah, yeah, and but musically as well, it's it's embracing some of the soul and funk um, elements that Peter always loved when he was growing up. The sort that sort of music. Funny you should use the word soul because yeah. I think a soul is what this album has been missing so far, mm. um, and this track certainly has plenty. It's 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 really nice. It's it's interesting music. Again, they've been playing around a lot. And then yeah. you've got this musical piece right at the end. And yeah. this is almost, you know, prog rock in its makeup, you know, with, yeah. with the, the musical bit finishing off the last two, three minutes being entirely music. This yeah. is more like what we're used to with, you know, Genesis and prog rock bands, although this isn't a prog rock track by any way. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it's it's more in keeping with what we expect from, from this sort of artist. Um, yeah. Well, if you take away the first album, of course. Um, yeah. But no, I like this track. This is my mm. favourite track on this album. Really? It's not my favourite track on this album. It is one of my favourite tracks on this album, but it's very good. Um, I think this, don't you think as well, this has got absolute fantastic drumming, though. It's as probably I said, one of my favourite drum tracks yeah, of as any I said, song. Musically, I love this track. It's, it's yeah. interesting. There's so much going on yeah. that it keeps you mentally entertained listening to it, which in my opinion, is the whole point of music. Yeah, um, That's why I got into rock music and prog rock music in the first place, was mm. for the music, because it is generally lively and entertaining. There's a lot of thoughts going into the music. It's not yeah. just a rhythm in the background. And this track yeah. is a brilliant example of that. Yeah, I mean, this is a great song. I really like this song as well. This, You say this is your very favourite on the album. This is probably my second favourite on the album. Ooh, what was your first? I'm not telling you. We'll come on to my first one soon. Oh, I'm so um, excited to find out. Yeah. Uh, a good track, a good way to close the first side of the album as well, and I think brilliant. Funnily enough, on some cassette versions of the album, this was the last track on the album. Yeah, because some of the cassettes had a completely different track listing, yeah. didn't they? Yeah, seems the really same weird. same tracks just mixed around just a different order. Seems really weird. But if you remember, the first album was the same. They swapped around the order of the tracks on the first album on. 
cassette as well. That was probably. Do you think that might have been for space? Potentially, yeah, I suppose yeah. so. But I think in many ways this would make a better last track to the album than what actually is the last track on the album. It would make a, make a better single as well. Mm, it would. Right. You want to move on to Indigo, don't you? It's too late. This model's out of date. Got every spare part, but there ain't much heart inside here. Not like the start, I was good, the art of survival. I've always tried to keep my troubles deep inside. Where I can hide them now, I'm open wide. When it ends, again I'll see my friends. They'll give me a lift. I've been running adrift, so easy. Shifting the gear, I got nothing up here from a showdown. I'll go down quiet, kids downstairs, making a hell of a deal. Getting a quote for the wages of sin Beyond the indigo, indigo Where the chilly winds, winds will blow My time is running low And gone across the dark, dark river Gonna see my good life giver Come on then, tell me what you think of Indigo, Simon. I'm going to say, first of all, Peter, is everything okay at home? (laughs) (laughs) Because Uh, this is this isn't the same mould as Phil's face value, isn't it? Basically, this track. Yeah, this is a this is a silent cry for help. Yeah, I mean, and at the time he was going through some relationship difficulties with Jill as well. Um, so it's kind of it's come out on a couple of tracks on the album, or, or yes, we will hear it on a couple of the tracks on the album, definitely. Um, but I think it's this is an understated melancholy, yeah, this track. it is again, um, though. Um, I think his vocals come across better, and I'm gonna mm. just just with a caveat, I yes. think his singing is better, but it still sounds muted, yeah. And, th- and then this one, he's singing it a lot deeper as well, for the most part, as well, isn't he? So, yeah, yeah, he's yeah not that's found what... his where he's going to pitch himself. No, which is yeah. weird because the first album, although he played around a lot with, with his singing styles on that album, yeah. there, were, there was a constant mode of his singing that, mm. that you know, allowed his voice to, sit, to shine through. That yeah. has not been on this album at all so far. We've had no. him trying a couple of different styles, none of which really suit his vocal range. Yeah. Um, and this is another one. He he does try, bless him. There's there's some points where his voice really bangs out, mm. but it just sounds like he's. And again, this may come back to what you were saying. It sounds like he's trying to sing as Peter Gabriel, but is depressed at the same time. Do you know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah. He's trying, but it just doesn't sound like he's giving it his all. I quite like it. It's not my. It's not brilliant. I could 
leave it off the album. But what do you think of the song? I can't use the word dull again, can I? Um, <laughs> it is. It's. it's yeah. Again, it's. It, this is not one of my favourite tracks on this album. Yeah. It's not awful. It's not great either. No, I'm going to stick with dull. Okay. But it's not your sort of music, is it? It's miserable. Yeah. You, know, like miserable you, you, you much enjoy the miserable artists, <laughs> don't you? Yeah. You love, do. you love it down in the dumps, whereas I'm a happy, frothy kind of guy. <laughs> yeah. Yes, that's true. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's all right. I like that. Let's move on to the next track then, shall we? It's Animal Magic. <laughs> my favorite track on the album thought you'd say that really great piano introduction to that yeah really, it's almost like um like Chaz and dave almost yeah but i think this is also this track is a better fit for uh peter's singing style yes His definitely really does come out in this track for probably yeah. the second time entirely on this album yeah yes definitely it stands out from the tracks either side of it you know you've got indigo which is that melancholy dull uh, and then you've got the next track exposure which is dull we'll go into in a second but this this really stands out i mean why wasn't this a single i don't know it, it would have been a much better single perhaps a yeah. second track on this or third track really on this album that would have made a much better single than oh. what was released it's, yeah. it's un, I, i'm just flabbergasted by the choice of single and you wonder if perhaps <laughs> This album would have done much better in sales if they had picked one of these other tracks as a single. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the fact that Salisbury Hill was such a a good pop song, catchy is the term. Catchy, yeah. That's what this album needed—a single like that. And I think this would have been it. To be you need honest. a track that people are going to hum unconsciously, yeah. like Salisbury Hill. Yeah. There's nothing on on. The single that they released here that you could unconsciously hum. No, it's really odd that apart from maybe the death march, choice. obviously. <laughs> yeah, um, but yeah, my favorite on the album, this track. So, what what do you think of it? Yeah, it's okay. It's it's as I say, it's a really good fit for his voice. Mm. I still think that the singing is a bit emotionless. Yeah, um, it still feels like he's not putting his all into the mm. vocals. 
Yeah. Um, I don't know what's wrong with this, whether, as you as you said previously, whether Robert Fripp was being too controlling and he mm. didn't feel it. But yeah. it's just like he's just, although his, song, his singing does come along much better in this, it just feels like he's not putting even 60% into doing this album. Yeah, I just I mean, don't think his vocals shine like we know I mean, he Pete, can. Peter has said in interviews that working quickly like this isn't the way he gets his best performances. And that the reason that he spends so long on everything is that he's constantly improving and refining and working on things. Yeah. So much so of this album feels like it would have been better if they had given themselves time to work and redo and work and redo. Mm. A lot of this, the track so far on this album have left me cold. And yeah. I, I don't a, think see, Peter's doing his best singing at all yeah. on this album. See, we'll we'll come into that more at the end. But what you've just said there has kind of hit the nail on the head a little bit. It's a cold album. Yeah, yeah. It feels musically, it feels cold. Do you, you mean? Do you mean when you say it feels <laughs> emotionally? Cold, yes, thank you. That's the word. That's what I was I trying mean, to get at. Whether like, you felt. I don't mean I when I put this album on, suddenly I have to put a jumper on. Yeah, you, I, I wasn't sure whether you were talking emotionally or whether you were talking theme-wise. You know, no, emotionally. Was, yes. Emotion. Good, good. Um, and th- but, this track, but this track to me doesn't feel cold. This feels like it's got some life to it. Oh, it has. Um, it definitely has. But I still don't think Peter's singing it as well as he could. No, We've heard... No, from the first album and the albums that follow this, not to give any spoilers away, but mm. you know we we're familiar with Peter Gabriel's singing range and his the power that he puts in when he's singing. Mm. So far in this album and indeed in this track as well, we're not seeing that kind of level of commitment to singing that we're no. used to from Peter Gabriel, and certainly nothing compared to the next album he'll release. Oh no, not at all. I mean, you wouldn't if you put these two side by side, you wouldn't think they were the same person mm. doing them, would you? I think I know I probably agree with that, yeah. It mm. does sound like two different bands. But it's anyway, good. good song. My favourite on the album. Not nearly as good as the television programme, in my opinion. Uh, Johnny Morris. Indeed, <laughs> indeed. So we'll go on to the next track, which is coincidentally something that uh, you were arrested for last year. Exposure. Thank you for bringing that up.
a musical piece, isn't it? Mm. And again, it's, it's it's Robert Fripp's big piece on this yeah, album, isn't it? It is. I mean, this sounds more like Robert Fripp than Peter Gabriel. It is. And I think this is this boils down to, again, what we've been saying all the way through this. Robert mm. Fripp probably had too much control over this yeah. album. Because yes. this is this is a Fripp track. This yeah, on a Peter Gabriel album. Yeah, effectively, yeah. It's and the version of this that's on Robert Fripp's album has got female vocal singing it, and it sounds quite different. But it's still the same track. It's a Robert Fripp track on a Peter Gabriel a Peter album. Gabriel album, which which shouldn't be here. I mean, yeah, this is like missing the point of releasing a Peter Gabriel album if you're mm. going to put your own stuff on there. Yeah, and I'd, yeah. I'd, Again, I, I think this is, again, pretty dull. Yeah. Um, it's experimental for the sake of mm. being experimental without being entertaining at the same time. Yeah. I mean, I think it's fantastically menacing in sound. It sounds, you know, it you could does. imagine this in a in a film as the, you know, the underscore to some sort of, sort of scary action going on. But it's not a song so much no. as a piece of music. It would work better as a sound accompaniment to a scene yeah. than a musical piece. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, I mean, fantastic bass. And it, oh, yeah. It, yeah. As you say, very eerie and atmospheric, yeah. but not a musical piece. Yeah, and I think you've hit the nail on the head there, though, saying that it's a Robert Fripp song on a Peter Gabriel album. Although it's co-written by the two of them, it's obvious who's had the the main part of this song is Robert Fripp. Yeah, definitely. Um, because the style is so incongruous, you have no doubt who's the mastermind behind this track. So I think he but, put. I think it's Robert Fripp who wrote it, and because it's on a Peter Gabriel album, he thought I'd give him a bit of a bit of a nudge as well. Yeah, but it's possible. definitely Robert Fripp. This. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I quite like it. I don't love it, but it, it it's all right. As part of any other Peter Gabriel album, it would stand out like a sore thumb. On indeed. this album, because this album is so eclectic and experimental, it, it fits in. I, I, I would not agree with you with, with mm. it being eclectic and experimental. I think this mm. is pretty much... It's There's not a lot of change of sound on this. When, we, mm. when you're talking experimental, you're talking his first album. This is not nearly as experimental. This is mm. This is hard to explain... Um, it's kind of all the same style, mm. but treated differently. Mm. I'm not sure I agree. I mean, I don't really care if you agree or not. <laughs> but I mean, you you say this isn't eclectic and experimental. I mean, you've got Mother of Violence, and then you've also got this. So they're two very very different styles of music. And then yeah, you've got not... you know Animal Magic, which is basically Chaz and Dave. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, Maybe I not think... quite Chaz and Dave. But, <laughs> I, I although there were is... rabbits in their song as well. You know, it's <laughs> not the same animal magic. I mean, I think this is this is probably his most experimental album in terms of the sounds because he wouldn't go on to use a lot of these sounds again. No, um, you know, he's tried them and then gone on to something else. Yes, that is true. I will, I will grant you that. That that so, is true. I don't know, and I think. On any, like I say, on any other album, this song would sound out of place. But on this album, because everything sounds out of place, it fits. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I'll let you have that. All right, thanks. I'll be kind <laughs> enough to let you have that. <laughs> Thank you. I will bow to your 
whatever it is you have. <laughs> and in return, I'll let you introduce the next track. Wow, really? Mm. Okay, well, uh, hey, Pop Pickers, uh, this is track nine on this album, and it's Flotsam and Jetsam. Only I could touch you I don't mean you no harm If only I could touch you Like the wind can touch the sand If only I could touch you, darling Now the words have failed John Lennon. Yeah, I kind of agree. It's another short piece. Yeah. Um, not quite sure why he was phoning the vocals in from another room. That weird mm. echo effect. Yeah. Was I found distracting when I was listening yeah. to it. I don't. Th- I don't give... think it suited the style of the music. It was just an effect for the sake of an effect. I mean, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna ask though again, Peter. Is everything okay at home? Seriously, because. If if you need anything, we're here for you. <laughs> <laughs> I think we're because... a bit late with the helping hand at this point. Well, yeah, um, it's another one, yeah, isn't it? It is but another I mean, one of those, yeah. But um, for me, this is a really, this is the most forgettable song on this album. It's so forgettable that I've, we've just listened to it and I can't remember. Yeah, again, I, I found the, the weird echo effect on the vocals off-putting. Mm. Um, so much so that again, as you say, it's a very forgettable track. Yeah, yeah, it, it is a dull track as well. Again, yeah. <sighs> instantly forgettable. Yeah, uh, no, I'd agree with. I'd agree with you. The worst track on the album for me, this one. Yeah, yeah, I, I actually um, agree with you on that one. So um, that's another cool. one for the diary. I'm, I'm agreeing cool. with you again on something. In that spirit of international cooperation, let's move on to the next track, which is perspective. 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 Perspective.
sounds lively. It is. This was the B side to DIY. Why wasn't it the A side? Exactly. Exactly. They what got that track. order wrong, didn't they? So yeah. much. What a great track. I really like this track. I really like this one. It breaks the mood completely of the album. It does. It does. It's a completely different mood at all. Yeah. However, I don't yeah. think it's quite as joyful as it sounds. No, it's not supposed to be joyful, though, is it? It's it's an upbeat track. It's but not musically, it's kind of track. musically, it's kind of joyful. Mm. But it it doesn't really come across as that. But it, it is upbeat. Yeah. It is upbeat. Yeah, more, yeah. more so than we've had so far. You know, in the last couple of tracks. <laughs> yeah, I wonder if it'd sound quite so upbeat if it was on a different Peter Gabriel album. Probably. You know, maybe if it had been on the first album, it would have been. Oh, this one's a bit. Maudlin. <laughs> yeah. But this has got more in, in common with tracks on side one than anything mm. so far on side two, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Yes, it, it has. Um, this second side of the album has definitely been Peter's face value, effectively, yeah. hasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, um, it's... You can see there's a lot of emotion going on here mm. um, with the theme of the tracks. Yeah. But I don't think it's coming across in his singing. Um, no, I know what you mean. It's it's kind of like I'm, I'm sorry to say this, but it feels like he's phoning this album in. Yeah, well, like we said, maybe this is because of how quickly it was created. Probably, probably. Maybe he just needs to spend that time fiddling and overdubbing and changing yeah. and and re- make... rethinking how it's being sung and how it's yeah. you know being edited. I don't. Yeah. I say. I said this right at the beginning, and I say it again. I don't think the production on this album is nearly as good as the previous album. No, I, I would. the fact that, agree. that Peter was unhappy with the first album's production, mm. and he, that's why basically why he asked Fripp to come in and do this one. Yeah. But I don't think it's it's paid off. I don't think the, yeah. the production is nearly as good, nearly as clever, or nearly as sharp more than no. anything. No, I, I'd agree. I think, I think the songs would probably have come out better yeah. if some, if Bob Ezrin had produced this album. Yep, yeah, yep, yeah, definitely. It would have sounded very different. It would have, and I think different would have been better. Yes. I, th- I, I think the problem with this is you've got a lot of melancholic sounding songs mm. being produced by somebody who is more interested in sounds than feeling. Yeah. So yeah. I I don't think I don't think that this the range of this album was a good fit with the producer of this album. No, I think no, I think I I would agree with that actually. I think Robert Fripp's a great talent, as I've already said. Oh yeah, massive pioneer. Yeah, but in so many he ways, wasn't a good fit for this album. No, not at all. I really like that track. The B side version of that track apparently was extended. Um, added more music, which is odd because it's already a fairly long song. Yeah. Um, so which, did they did they take out yeah. some lyrics or to put this extra music in because it was already quite long for no, the, a this, single. This, the version on the album is an edited version. Apparently, the full version was the one that was released on the single. So there you go. That's that's a weird way round. I believe that is available on the Peter Gabriel compilation that came out last year called Flotsam and Jetsam, which okay. is only available to download. You can't buy the CD of that, so download only. There you um, go. But yeah, anyway. So next track. What's the next track? Final track Home Sweet Home. Nothing really worked out right. Things got broke. Stay that way 
five friends came round at night Little Sam got no place to play We gotta get out and hear Bill, she said I've been staying it all the while When I came home from work that night She jumped out the window with our child don't know i mean don't get me wrong oh no get me wrong <laughs> i mean it's just why why i mean talk about sending people off to just kill themselves or something <laughs> this is just a terrible track to end on as we've said previously talking about yes. albums the last track should make you want to put the needle onto the first track again you mm. should be going that was a great album i want us to do it again yes. this is a horrible track to finish with <laughs> I mean, he completely out-depresses Phil Collins. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's slow. It's dull. It's boring. It's <laughs> it's depressing. It has it's hitting all. It's hitting all the right keys for a dirge. <laughs> in in a move that will not surprise you in the slightest. I actually quite like the song. Oh, but. <laughs> God, what is wrong with you, man? I mean, I will echo some of your same thoughts. Simon, is everything okay at home? <laughs> but, but, but it's probably the most depressing song I've ever heard. And that includes having heard The Roof is Leaking by Phil Collins. Oh, so, oh like a gut punch that, Simon. I mean... He saves the most gloomy track on a gloomy album to last. Yeah. A lot of the tracks on this are gloomy, and yeah. this, this outglooms, out if that's a real yeah. word, this outglooms all of them. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Not, so, this will surprise you. Mm? Not one of my favourite tracks on this album. <laughs> no, you don't <laughs> I say. know, surprising, huh? But no, <laughs> no. I, 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 oh, it's up at... Oh. Oh, oh God! So depressing. Yeah, I mean, I mean, this is a sort of like going down to the cupboard to fix some sort of like uppers or whatever. I don't know anything about <laughs> drugs. I will admit, yeah. but you know, something that's going to cheer you up. What is yeah. it? You're on antidepressants, that sort of thing. This yeah. is you're, you're going to need them after this. It's, it's not a happy bunny end to yeah. a unhappy bunny album. No, but where, where? Did it come from? I mean, as you said, there's some of the tracks in this album that have been quite low and quite, quite, mm. you know, melancholy. But yeah. this is way under that table. This is this <laughs> is scuttling around in the carpet for this one. It's yeah. just a new level of low. Yeah. Um, so yeah, <sighs> didn't like it. Does not surprise me. <laughs> don't like it. I don't I like it. it. I don't like it. Yeah. Uh, right. But that, that's it. Yeah. That's the last track on the album. Thank God. 
<laughs> let's go on to our overview. Well, this is a darker album, isn't it? It is a lot darker. <laughs> For a while, this was actually my favourite Peter Gabriel album. Um, what? Yeah, yeah. It's at, at the time I first heard this, the utter bleakness of it all just really appealed to me. <laughs> Simon, is is everything okay at home? <laughs> this was what nearly thirty-five years ago, so <laughs> it was a long time. Well, no, one thirty, but over thirty years ago. So at the time, I was I was but a teenager. Um, over 40 years ago, Simon. Not No, not when it came out, when I first heard it. Oh, right, OK. I, did, I didn't listen to this when I was six. <laughs> I was going to say, this would have been quite a... They would have taken you to therapy yeah. if you were listening to this at six. Your parents would have dragged you Simon? out and think Simon, Simon needs to talk to people. What did that song just say? She jumped out of the window of an 11-storey flat. What, what are you listening to? It's just Peter Gabriel's album, Mummy. Like young Simon is in the room, <laughs> but yeah. So at the time, it really, really appealed to me. It was so different to anything that you could hear in the charts. It was so different to anything that you know. I was getting into Genesis, so it was so different to anything Genesis had done, and it was so different to anything that I'd heard by Peter himself. That it really, really appealed to me. Nowadays, it would be one of the lower ones of the album just because the bleakness of it doesn't hold the songs together right okay yeah if yeah. you get me i they, get you i get it's you. a bit too eclectic and a bit too experimental for it to be cohesive talk about cohesive talking about steve hackett's album last week cohesive this is the same it doesn't blend the songs don't blend together you get little melancholy bits and then you get something upbeat and then you get a little acoustic number yeah it's kind of all over the shop isn't it but it's it's this it's a bit it's too experimental so yeah do you want to know my opinion you hate it i'll tell you a little story oh <laughs> god here we go <laughs> i bought this album in i believe it was 1984 i played it mm. i listened to it that yes. was the last time I listened to it. This album <laughs> not only leaves me cold, it gave yeah. me frostbite. <laughs> I hate this album so much. It's boring. It's dull. There's no track on here that I ever want to listen to again. I yeah. cannot believe you made me listen to this album again. <laughs> I have had a week of listening to this, and I wanted to crash the car listening to it, just <laughs> so it would stop. So, can you guess what I think of this album? You like it. Yeah, pretty much, actually. No, <laughs> God, no. It's a tedious, tedious album. It's it's <laughs> riddled with his singing, which just feels like he's, oh, God, I can't be asked to do this album. I'm just going to oh, just sing something. Mm. We don't see any of his bombastic talent coming through. Yeah. His singing style, which is, which is great. It's got such an emotional singing style. That's entirely missing from this album. There's yeah. no point when you listen to it, you think this is Peter Gabriel at his best. No track on here. Do you listen to the singing and think this is Peter Gabriel's finest moment? Mm. We're going to hear that to come. Yes. No, no spoilers. Yeah. We're going to hear that. But we got a glimpse of it on the first album. There mm -hmm. are some amazing tracks and very well sung. 
Yeah. That is not true of this album, I don't think. Yeah. I mean, there's just this no is... emotion. This entire album, even considering what you said about how much of a roller coaster emotionally yeah. this album is, I don't think any of the singing follows that. There's no. lack, there's a definite lack of emotion in the singing here. Yeah. It's almost like he's done placeholder vocals yeah. and then they've not replaced those. That's, that's exactly what I'm thinking. Yeah. It's almost like, I'm going to sing this, we'll come back in a couple of months and do it properly. But then mm. they released it anyway. Yeah. It just, it's, it's horrible. I hate this album. I find it irritating to listen to because <laughs> you know he can do so much better than this. And we yeah. will hear so much better than this in the next, even on the next album. Yeah. We are going to yeah. hear so much better than anything that's on this album. Yeah. So you just look at this and you go, why did you release this? This is almost tarnishing your brand. Yeah. I mean, it is another example of him trying to find his feet in the music the music I sphere, I, I think. I'm, I'm, I'm going to disagree with you, Simon. Mm. I am going to disagree with you. Because the first album was experimental in the utmost. Mm. That is where he was finding his feet. This one is not nearly as experimental as the first album in mm. style and in variety. Um, and I don't think this one helped him find his style because when yeah. we come to the next album, it's yeah. got more in common with the first album yeah. than with this album. Yeah, I so, mean, the next album is really where he finds his feet yeah, in that music. Is definitely, it, that is definitely his size nines all over that album. Yeah. I mean, no spoilers um, for that album, but... No, but this one, this one, I think, is, is a... I say, I, I bought it in 84, and it stopped yeah. me listening to Peter Gabriel for a very long time because wow. I thought all of his albums must be like this because it was the first <laughs> Peter Gabriel I bought. Yeah. And it bored me so much... I never played it more than once. It's still yeah. in, 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 in the box, in the attic. I've never yeah. listened to this album. This is the first time, damn you, that I've had to <laughs> listen to this dire album since I bought it. Thank you for that. That's all right. Well, so overall then, you like the album. <laughs> that's what you're yes, saying. Yes, Simon. If that's what you're taking away from what I just said. I love this album, Simon. <laughs> and I'm sure you're going to edit everything else I... I said out and just end with i love this album simon <laughs> there you go you've just done it thanks very much <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I don't think he was giving it his all on this no. as you as you quite rightly said it sounded like um they were just demoing the vocals and he was going to come back and do a proper set later but they never got around to it yeah because i don't think we're even using a 20th of his talent in no. the singing on this album i would agree i would agree uh, like i say it's okay it's not my favourite. It probably is actually my least favourite Peter Gabriel album now. Yeah, I would um, agree entirely on that. But, but again, I think that also comes down to, as we said um, not long ago, mm. Robert Fripp was not a good fit for this album. No. We would have probably wasn't. ended up with something at least halfway decent, maybe with yeah. a different producer. So, some of the songs on here are not bad songs. Animal Magic, great song. Yeah. Perspective, I'm, great song. I'm not saying that but, Robert Fripp has done a bad job because he hmm. hasn't. But, you know, it's like when you hear, it's like when you hear a track on a yeah. demo. Yeah. When, on, you know, when they release them sometimes and you hear, oh, that was, that was when they were trialing the producer, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And then they bought, thingy in for the whole album and yeah. you can hear the difference so much purely yeah. because a new producer will, will you know play around the sounds and come in and go i think you should start with this yeah new ideas robert fripp i don't think was the best choice yeah. for this album Be yeah. purely because you know the songs were weak maybe yeah. and i think a, another producer could have zuzzed them up a little bit yeah 
which they yeah. all needed. There was, there's not a track on here that couldn't be improved. Yeah, um, I think Robert Fripp was too focused on making his Frippatronics trilogy. Yeah, yeah. If you're, if you're, if you're producing somebody's album and you think, well, I'm doing your album, but I really want to put my own track in here because it's part of three other albums, you're yeah. not paying attention to exactly. what you're doing. Yeah, and, and that seems to come across on this album. Yeah, I don't think he was paying attention, and I don't think his heart was in this album because yeah. his mind was on other things. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, as a special treat, next week we're going to be reviewing Robert Fripp's Exposure. <laughs> we are bloody not. <laughs> Followed by Daryl Hall's Sacred Songs. I'm coming for you, Simon. I am coming for you. Although they are worth listening to in context of this album, just to see how it all played out but you will hate you will certainly hate robert fripp's album you'll probably hate daryl hall's album as well so yeah, yeah there you go but anyway that's the album let's go on to our leaderboard Everybody's on top of the leaderboard time leaderboard time leaderboard so time so for the last time this year let's look at the leaderboards <gasps> and do my leaderboard first yeah. So my leaderboard what? <laughs> Currently My first leaderboard My first on my leaderboard is Peter Gabriel's first album Followed by Face Value Number three is Small Creeps Day Number four Voyage of the Acolyte Number five is Please Don't Touch Number six is Unorthodox Behaviour by Brand X Number seven is Anthony Phillips' Geese and the Ghost And number eight at the bottom Is Tony Banks's a curious feeling. Hmm, where am I going to put this album? This is a difficult one. Drum roll. I think I'm going to put it at number six. Above really? Brand X, but below Please Don't Touch. Um, because it's got Animal Magic, which I absolutely love. It's got Perspective, which I also love. And I, I despite what you, what you think about them, I think On the Air and DIY are great songs as well. So it's got uh, quite a few good songs on there. Just the album as a whole is a bit... Yeah. Okay. Okay. So number six for me. What's it going to be for you? Yours are right. Let me tell you. Let me remind you. Please. We're do. in agreement on the number one. It's Peter Gabriel's first album. Mm-hmm. Number two, you've got Small Creeps Day. Number three, you've got Please Don't Touch. Number four, you've got Voyage of the Acolyte. You've got Curious Feeling at number five. Then at forty-five, you've got The Geese and the Ghost. Sixty-one, you've got Unorthodox Behaviour, and at sixty-two, Face Value. Where is it going to fit in for you? Oh, well, I was I was looking at putting this at about forty one. Yeah, and then I thought, no, I'm going to put it at nine hundred and sixty eight. <laughs> no, you can't do that because there's only sixty eight albums, so it's got to be one to sixty eight. Sixty eight. No, sorry, seventy eight. Seventy eight. Seventy eight. I'm doing this. I'm putting it at seventy eight. Then the very sure? last thing. I never want to hear this album again. Ever. You do bear in mind that's going to give you no room to manoeuvre if we listen to a Mike and the Mechanics album that you particularly really can't hate. think I could ever hate <laughs> an album more than this one. It well, is not even... so, so mind-robbingly, soul-destroyingly dull. We've I got never Tony Banks ever... albums in here as well, you know, to listen to. Yep, and I would rather be locked in a room and have that played into my headphones eternally than listen to one more time than listen to this album. The next, album's, the next album's Mike Rutherford's acting very strange. He sings that. Are you sure you don't want to rethink where you, you want to leave yourself a little bit of room? You can always move this down later. I really can't think of anything I could hate right. more. 
Number 78 it Seriously, is then. I, I listened to this album gritting my teeth <laughs> all the way through. Very well. I don't know if that came across in my review. It did, yes. A little I thought bit. thought it might, yeah. Just a little. But I really, I, God, I hate this album so, so, <laughs> so much. Okay, right. Number 78 it is then. So that's the leaderboards. I like to be impartial when I'm reviewing things. That's it until after Christmas now. It is. No more No more episodes after Christmas. I mean, we're hoping to have a couple of things um, to keep people entertained over Christmas. Yeah, a couple we're of things. We're going to have definitely one thing. Yeah, we've got at least one thing uh, planned, uh, mm. which will definitely The other thing depends on me out. pulling my finger out, doesn't it? Mm. Mm. My finger is quite, quite firmly wedged where it is at the moment, so... Um, <laughs> It just yeah. depends whether whether we can do something. But yeah. you have definitely got something in line for everybody, yeah. haven't you? Keep there will definitely be at least one thing over Christmas and New Year because I've got it. I've just got to record it. That's it. Solo. Leave me out. See if I can. Speaking of me going solo, yeah. <laughs> at the moment, yes. people who have donated to buymeacoffee.com can have access to 10 exclusive minisodes that I've recorded on my own solo. That's my like my solo releases. So go to buymeacoffee.com, search for the Revelation Station, donate the price of a coffee, which is about $3 or more if you prefer, and that will give you access to 10 exclusive episodes that are being released on Mondays until the 25th of January every week. Um, I will donate just to not hear your voice anymore. You do that. I will. Um, If you... If you'd prefer to sell your soul to Amazon, you can still get free months free Music Unlimited by clicking on the link in our podcast description or on our website. And that will also get you three months, three months free and will donate some money to the podcast as well. Absolutely free. Amazon gives that money. Win-win situation there. So, again, thank you to everybody who's listened. Thank you to yes. everybody who's donated. Yes. Thank you to everybody who puts up with us on a weekly basis. We now have several people who listen again and again and again. Some of them aren't at institutions, I found. Yes, right. So I've heard. I'm not sure yes. if that's true or not, but, you know. But this will be going... This is our last official release before Christmas. Yes. So we'll take this time to wish you all an extremely Merry Christmas. A prosperous New Year. Well, yeah. We'll say <laughs> prosperous, shall we? But yeah. just a happy one would be great. Yeah. And we will look forward to seeing you all, or maybe you won't all look forward to hearing us in the new year, but we're going to be there anyway, aren't we, Simon? We'll be back in the new year with some new episodes. <laughs> in fact, our next episode, that we're next album that we're going to cover will be, as I mentioned before, Mike Rutherford's Acting Very Strange. So should you, really? want, should you want to dig that out and listen to that? please do so. That's your little bit of homework, but that's not going to be until some point in January. So no rush on that one. But in the meantime, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year. Take care, everybody. Yeah. Take care, everybody, and we'll see you in the new year. See you soon. Bye. Bye. Good. You've got the job. Thank you. <laughs> Radio stations are calling even now. <laughs> yeah, tell them to shut up. Yeah. <laughs>